North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's getting $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Tuesday, everyone. You've tuned in to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and I'm so glad you could join me. For the new listeners, welcome to the show. Each week on Dr. Low Radio, you'll hear a different health topic and an expert in that particular area. And I'm very selective with my guests, by the way. I only bring you pioneers in the field of natural medicine who I greatly respect, and I know that they're going to provide you with such life-changing information as they have for myself and my research, and with this show included tonight. Last week's show was one of my favorites. I had Dr. Thomas O'Brien on, and he's one of the world's leading educators on gluten sensitivity, and we were talking all about that last week. It's a fabulous show, and 60 to 70% of people are gluten sensitive. That's what it's estimated, and if you haven't been tested, it's definitely a good idea to go ahead and do that. I am running those tests on gluten sensitivity, so check my website out, drlaurennoel.com, and we can run the test to see if you are included in that percentage. Um, check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash drlaurennoel, and Twitter as well. I'm taking Twitter and Facebook questions, twitter.com slash drlaurennoel. I have just started blogging. I've never been a blogger before, and I can say that I feel like I'm already addicted to it. It's a nice outlet. And uh, I'm included in Jenna Phillips' 30-Day Skinny Jeans Challenge. I'm blogging for her uh, once a week for the next month. And it's basically just you know doing paleo diet for um, a month. You do measurements before, measurements after, before and after pictures. And whoever um, you know is the most successful on that plan gets a pair of skinny jeans from guests. So it's a pretty cool, um, you know, program. It's nice to just be in it with other people because sometimes, you know, being on that um, journey alone can be kind of daunting. So having that, um, you know, that camaraderie with everybody is really nice. And every single day there's a different uh, blogger. So uh, this week I blogged on gluten on Monday, uh, yesterday. So check that out, jennaphillips.com. Future radio show dates. I'm excited. We have a great lineup coming up next week, May 3rd. That's next Tuesday. I'll have Allison Seebecker, Dr. Allison Seebecker on the show. She's a naturopathic doctor. And we're going to talk all about small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It's a really long name. It's not talked about too often, but it's very common. And um, you'll find out how it can be very much similar to symptoms of irritable, irritable bowel syndrome and have all kinds of weird, vague symptoms too, like joint pain, muscle pain, all kinds of stuff. And so um, basically when your bacteria from the small, or for, excuse me, from the large intestine migrates, migrates up into the small intestine, it's very common. So we'll be talking all about that next week. The following week, I'll have T.S. Wiley on the show. She's the author of Lights Out, very sassy, fun lady to listen to. She is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. So that'll be fun. And then the following week, Dr. DeLapp. He is a um, naturopathic doctor as well, and he specializes in dermatology, which is a huge interest of mine. So we'll be able to talk about all about how you can prevent and treat dermatological conditions with natural medicine. Tonight's guest I'm so excited to have on the show um, it's especially special for me because before I was a doctor or even a student in naturopathic medicine, I shadowed a naturopathic doctor weekly for a couple of years. I had an amazing opportunity to do that um, while I was taking my requirement classes for school. And he used these principles that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, he was a very uh, 
you know, big follower of Dr. or excuse me, of Julia Ross, who I'm going to um, introduce tonight, and he used the principles from her book uh, very frequently and had amazing success with his patients. And once I was finally enrolled in naturopathic school, I was so excited to see that she was coming and speaking at our school, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this lady. This is so exciting, and I had the opportunity to hear her speak, and I got to go up and talk to her briefly, and I'm sure, I mean, maybe she'll remember, maybe she's probably met thousands of people over the years, but um, but it was just a great opportunity to hear her speak. So Julia Ross, she holds a master's in clinical psychology. She's a pioneer in the field of nutritional psychotherapy and a specialist in the treatment of eating disorders and addictions. And she's founded and directed six successful recovery programs since 1980 in the San Francisco Bay Area. She started Northern California's first treatment program for food addicts and the area's first program for drug-addicted adolescents and their families. She received a state award for her work with diabetes and addiction in California's Native American tribal clinics. In 1980, Julia began hiring nutritionists to research the link between biochemistry, emotions, and addiction. This developed into the creation of a new medical model that uses nutritional therapy and holistic medical care with conventional counseling and education. And in 1988, she founded the Recovery Systems Clinic in Mill Valley, California, which uses this particular um, you know, mindset, and it's an outpatient program that focuses on treating people with dieting, dieting disorders and carbohydrate addictions. She's a popular and compelling speaker. She's taught lectures at John F. Kennedy University and University of California, Berkeley. She has two best-selling books, The Mood Cure and The Diet Cure, and she's been featured in many magazines, Psychology Today, San Francisco Examiner, Alternative Medicine, and Natural Health Magazine. And she frequently appears as an expert on radio and TV, and we are so happy to have her. Dr. Julia Ross, are you there? I'm here. Great. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. You're welcome. It's How an did... honor to have you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You sound a little far away, but you, you sound louder just then. Okay. I'm going to um, try and improve on this. Okay. <laughs> How's this? That's perfect. Good. Loud and clear. Great. So thank you so much again for coming on the show. And, you know, we share a very similar love of psychology. Um, you know, I was close to getting my dual master's in health psychology and nutrition. And so nutrition and how it relates oh. to psychology is very much of an interest huh. to me. And so I'm definitely in line with your philosophy. So what brought you to this field that you chose? What brought you to this? Uh, which one? <laughs> uh, well, just, you know, <laughs> your, if, your you're, love with psychology, if you're asking me how I got involved with psychotherapy, which is where I started, um, yeah. In the 70s, we were convinced that psychotherapy was going to be the answer to all mental and physical health problems because we assumed at the time that uh, most physical health problems were psychosomatic. And uh, I went to work uh, in an addiction treatment program and soon discovered that I, uh, we were wrong, that there were a number, many, any number of conditions, including addiction and eating disorders, that were primarily physiological and genetic, and did not respond very well to psychotherapy at all. Uh, and in fact, at this point, um, we've got uh, over 90% relapse rates in treatment programs that emphasize emotional and spiritual approaches, which are great. It's just that they need to add uh, a component that addresses the core of these disorders, which is physiological. And um, I learned that by trial and error, uh, mostly error, when, I, when we realized our programs weren't working, um, many people left the field. And I 
decided to see if nutrition might be an avenue, a successful avenue. And within a few years, um, we had begun to see just extraordinary changes in the addicts that had formerly been condemned as, you know, intractable and unsavable. Uh, and so I never looked back. I just expanded the um, the nutritional and, and holistic medical components of the clinics that I um, directed. And uh, so now we've, you know, had 25 years of, of uh, intensive development of the clinic I'm directing now um, in Marin County, California, just north of San Francisco, where we combine everything. You know, uh, if someone hasn't had psychotherapy and needs it, they get it. If, uh, But most people who come here now have read my books, The Diet Cure and The Mood Cure, and are coming to the clinic because they um, have tried by, um, a, you know, attacking any kind of psychological issues um, and failed and are hoping that there is one last chance for them. And they come here and sure enough, Wow. There are lots of last chances, depending on you know what the nature of their imbalances are that have caused them to have mood problems or fatigue or insomnia, um, compulsive eating, mm-hmm. diabetes, whatever. The type of approach that you have in your clinics um, is that a common approach that you find in, in addiction clinics, or is it you kind oh, of no. a minority? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's very uncommon, um, but. There, uh, there's a gro- there are a growing number of professionals um, trying to fight their way out of the conventional model and expand it. And um, there's an organization of us called the Alliance for Addiction Solutions. dot uh, org, um, and people can um, log on and, and take a look at the information there and description of programs that are involved. And there's a marvelous adolescent program, for example, that that um, has a naturopath as a medical director and, and provides organic uh, food and supplementation uh, in the mountains of Montana and Colorado. It's called Open Sky. Um, my program is an outpatient program, but there's a, a marvelous inpatient addiction treatment program outside of Washington, D.C. called Bridging the Gaps, which does oral nutrients and a marvelous diet and uh, tailored intravenous uh, nutrients to help people detox more comfortably. Um, so the, the the number of people interested and the number of people in this country and abroad that you know belong to this organization and are um, we're pooling our expertise to develop a model that actually works. At which point we hope that the conventional people will relent and try something new. Right. Well, I love what you're doing. I know it's just really changing the way that um, you know, mental health is is um addressed in our country. So, thank you for for doing what you do. Um, how does it run at your clinic? You get a patient who comes in and they have symptoms of, you know, whatever it is for them, depression, anxiety, addiction, you know, um emotional eating. Rather than them putting, you know, getting put on a prescription or just doing psychotherapy, what's the approach like at your particular clinics? What is what is it like? Well, um I was just going to say that it's um, an expanded version of, of the books, uh, which start off with symptom questionnaires so that people can identify what's causing my symptoms and then use the books um, in a tailored way 
just to deal with their own problems without having to read the entire book if they don't have every problem in the book. Mm-hmm. So in, at the clinic, um, the the symptom questionnaires are, are really extensive and take several hours to fill out. Um, we often have people do um, tests before they come in. Um, so we have a lot of information on them when they walk in the door, and we spend two or three hours with them just looking at all the symptoms and the history that led up to it, including the family, uh, their family of origin, you know, what kind of genetic problems have they inherited, um, you know, what was their diet and health from the beginning. Um, and uh, we take that information and design uh, supplements, a uh, supplement protocol um, to address each of the symptoms and uh, and tailor a, a diet a food plan to their to their needs um, and then we monitor them very closely for at least twelve weeks. Uh, some of them also need to see um, our holistic medical consultant who um, tends to tackle the more complicated physiological problems like major parasite infestation or Lyme disease. So we're covering everything possible. If somebody comes in here with fatigue, for example, which is almost universal, um, <laughs> the question is what's causing it? You know, um, Do they have an inherited thyroid um, dysfunction? You know, Are they underproducing their hormones? Quite often, especially with women, that's the case, and it's gone on for generations. Um, they're tired. They tend to put on weight unnecessarily. They tend to be chilly. There are all kinds of symptoms, of course, of low thyroid. But... Um, or is it their adrenal function? We can do a marvelous home salivary test for adrenal function that tells us whether the adrenals are no longer able to put out the marvelous stress-coping hormones that they're supposed to be putting out. Um, and depending on what we find, you know, we can we can adjust things very quickly and nicely. Uh, but the most common cause of fatigue that we see, and one of the main topics in the mood cure, is uh, is brain-based. So people whose natural energizing neurotransmitters, uh, the brain chemicals that are thousands of times stronger than Ritalin um, or caffeine, um, are being underproduced. Uh, Stress, diet, genetics, um, the American lifestyle um, can uh, result in fatigue, chronic fatigue that... uh, oftentimes responds instantly, by that I mean in five minutes, <clears throat> to our providing the, um, and, and the book recommends, the specific nutrients that the brain needs to make these energizing brain chemicals. So that's just an example of, of the kind of approach we take. Um, if none of the above um, results in, in alleviation of fatigue, then we, you know, we broaden we broaden the search and uh, sometimes find that Lyme disease is the real culprit. We had a 16-year-old um, who'd been the president of her freshman class and and uh, or and sophomore class and junior year she was at home in bed um, and came down here. We improved her diet, but that wasn't enough to turn things around. And the supplements didn't help, um, so we did a thorough Lyme test, and sure enough. And uh, she was back in school, you know, in a month and uh, has gone on to college and, you know, things are great with her. So everybody should know that there's an answer for whatever it is. Um, 
that they're struggling with. And that's been the history of our clinic is to keep going and finding answers as we run into new challenges. But for the most part, we have so many of the answers now um, to the questions that, that my books raise. You know, are you eating junk food even though you know you shouldn't? Um, you were talking about our gluten and how common it is for people to be poisoned by, you know, our most common food, um, bread, uh, and the grains that are that uh, it's made from. Uh, and quite often people, you know, more and more are hearing this and they're seeing gluten-free foods uh, in stores, but they, they can't stop because it turns out that um, the irritating protein uh, in wheat, rye, oats, and barley, um, is also can also be highly addictive and, it ha- and changes our brain chemistry in a way similar to uh, a dose of heroin. So uh, that sounds pretty formidable, uh, but fortunately the appetite chemistry is very responsive to this nutritional feeding uh, of the brain, and uh, we are able to turn off those cravings so that people can stay away from foods, whether they're sweet, you know, sweets or starches. Um, that are basically killing them um, easily and quickly um, because their brain, we can change that appetite chemistry in the brain using these nutrient supplements. Well, I'd love to get to that um, and then and then talk about the different mood imbalances that you outline in your book. So, so let's say a person does have that um, addictive, you know, <laughs> like they're just so drawn to gluten or so drawn to bread. What could what what is something that could be going on with that, or maybe also take chocolate for example? Yeah, it, and it's the same, pretty much the same dynamic in both cases. It's the part of the brain that is uh, supposed to be producing adequate amounts of the endorphins, which are natural heroin. Um, often these days are not, uh, and one of the big reasons uh, is our diet. Um, we're just not eating protein anymore, and um, a single molecule of endorphin requires 19 different amino acids to make, and there are only 22 total amino acids, you know, in food. So it's a big job to keep your endorphin levels adequate, and the body always uses endorphin when it's stressed, minor stress, major stress, uh, and, and of course, any kind of pain, emotional or physical, um, depletes our stores. So we have to work really hard to to keep our levels up. <clears throat> and because so many of us are deficient there, we get we're very vulnerable to things like weed and chocolate that actually mimic the endorphins. They're you know they're opiates. They're painkillers. Um, Alcohol is another one. Pots another one. Um, and milk products also contain a protein that uh, does the same trick to the brain. So fortunately, if we can, and we can, raise our endorphin levels naturally using um, one or possibly a few other amino acids as supplements, we can overnight be liberated, you know, just be indifferent to the chocolate, indifferent to the bread, indifferent to the cheese, um, and uh and that the the key nutrient there is an amino these are all amino acids that the brain needs to make these fabulous mood and appetite regulators and uh the uh in this particular case what raises endorphin levels so dramatically uh from most everyone uh is an amino acid called DLPA or DL phenylalanine um available in any health food store and you know most pharmacies these days um uh, and it works you know 
very quickly, you know, 10 minutes maybe. Um, people will think about what they – when people come in here, we ask them, what would you like to eat if you could have anything you wanted? You didn't have to worry about calories, weight gain, or whatever. And they, they almost always say a Snickers bar. Uh, so then we give them DLPA. Uh, if chocolate's a big thing for them and we look at their, their uh, food diaries and see, oh, bread's a big thing and pasta's a big thing and, um, and cookies and, and anything doughy. So you're you're uh, really um, probably very deficient in your own endorphins and are using these foods to give you a lift. That's why they're called com- comfort foods. So we then give them the DLPA and go on with our interview. And five or ten minutes later, we ask them, um, would you still like a Snickers bar? And they typically look at us blankly. They've forgotten the conversation even. Um, and sometimes they say, no, but I, actually I think I'm hungry. I, I'd like a maybe a shrimp salad or something. <laughs> you know, uh, I was known in school as the girl who was always eating chocolate. I would literally eat an entire bar a day, so I could have used that one. In nature public school? <laughs> yes, I would, well, oh you know, God. dark chocolate, 80%, come on, you know, all organic. <laughs> but but I was all about it. Every single day I'd have an entire bar of chocolate, and I'd never gain any weight because, you know, I don't really care about fat. I know fat is good for me, and I, I feel better when I eat more fat. But um, it was just hilarious. It was like I had this urge, I would eat it, and I'd feel better. But I could have used that then. Um, I want to open up to the phone lines. I forgot to mention the numbers. 818-495-6919. That's 818-495-6919. We're talking to Julia Ross on Dr. Low Radio. I want to take one caller here from the 303 who's been so uh, patiently waiting. Caller from the 303, are you there? I am. Great. Thanks for calling Dr. Low Radio. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yes, yeah, my name is Stephen, uh, and I'm calling... Um, Oh, I have a question. I, I had my annual physical this past week, and my um, iron levels were very low. So my GP said that uh, I'm leaking blood somewhere uh, in my body, and he thought that there was a good chance that uh, I had uh, an ulcer, possibly. He's actually uh, recommended that I see a specialist. So this call is a little premature because I'm uh, seeing a specialist on Thursday, but my GP said that if, in fact, that's what it is, then, you know, they'll get me on Prilosec or one of the the uh, ulcer, you know, uh, type of medicines and whatnot. And, and I don't know if I really want to take anything like that just because, uh, you know, it's a, another chemical I'm putting into my body instead of maybe doing something naturally that I can do that will relieve the stress levels or whatnot. Um, what can I do? Uh, how can I relieve this? Well, uh, this is not um, <laughs> this is not our specialty. Um, well, I think this is at, at my clinic, but I'm sure that uh, you can deal with it. Yeah, Julia, why don't you touch on the, the maybe the mental emotional aspect of ulcers, and I can kind of fill in on the natural therapies for ulcers. Well, uh, actually, we don't find them to be that significant, but when when we do have someone um, who 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 does have an exacerbation of an ulcer because of stress and anxiety, then we want to give them the natural anti-stress, anti-anxiety nutrients. Um, and one of the most critical one where stress is an issue um, is GABA, um, G-A-B-A, which is the amino acid that the brain uses to neutralize adrenaline and, and turn off the stress chemistry. 
So, and that's very, very quick to take action too. So it's very supportive um, for people who are under stress, you know, and have whatever symptoms. Um, whenever we see, you know, significant GI problems, we always ask people to get off of gluten-containing grains because they're so irritating to the entire digestive apparatus. Um, and uh, we've seen some remarkable things. We had a man come to us who was bleeding from the anus, and he would uh, three times a year go in, and they would cauterize him to stop it. And this year it didn't work. And someone told him to come to us, and we said, forget the supplements, just go off of gluten-containing grains. And the bleeding stopped within uh, a week, and uh, he never had a recurrence. So, um, So... Calming things down is really important, and, and so GABA is, is one of those things, um, taking the stress off the, G, the GI tract and using nutrients that are very healing. We've had a few cases where George's aloe juice, which is just the, the white core, it's flavorless uh, core of the aloe, um, healed uh, the situation directly. Um, there's one other calming uh, amino acid that... Um, is the best known uh it feeds the best known um system in the brain which is the the system that produces serotonin our natural antidepressant it's also our natural anti worry anti um anxiety um anti negativity um neurotransmitter and uh it it helps promote sleep both GABA and uh uh, tryptophan, which is what produces serotonin, help with sleep as well as with any kind of anxiety. So um, the important thing would be to look at the symptoms uh, either online, mootcure.com, or look at the book and see, do I have the symptoms of, of low GABA? Do I have symptoms of low serotonin? And then follow the directions in the book about uh, dosing and when which amino acids to take. Um, and then you're setting the stage for um, best possible outcome if indeed you do have uh, an ulcer, and I'm assuming they're they're testing you for the bacteria that causes ulcer too, right? H. Well, I'm assuming going to yes. I mean, at this point, so far, uh, I haven't been to the specialist. I'm going on Thursday. Do you? Does your stomach hurt? Um, no, actually, it doesn't, uh, and that's. Uh, why I was kind of baffled by it when they when they uh, even mentioned it to me, but uh, because my iron levels are so low, uh, are you tired? Uh, no, I'm. I'm well. You're not tired. Are I you work, pale? I work a tremendous. I work a tremendous amount. So, uh, I you know I'm fatigued in some things, but I go to bed uh, you know uh, at 10:30 at night, and I'm up at five 5:30 every day. And you don't sound very tired to me. <laughs> No, Are I, you pale? I'm, no, no, I, I don't think so. That's, I think that's you should retest your iron levels and do a ferritin if you haven't already done it. Maybe there's an error here. Uh, they they actually did test the ferritin levels also. My my iron level was I believe a, a forty seven, and my ferritin was eight, which uh, I guess on a scale of. 20 to 300 or something. So it's below the the lower level. Uh, it sure is. Yeah, it. Uh, they. That's the reason he said that. And he goes, it could be something else. He said, but that's what I think it is. He said, I think you 
you know, are are leaking somewhere. I, I thought the term well, was kind can, of funny. Can you consider cutting back on your work to to reduce the stress while you deal with this, whatever it is? Uh, that's that's a hard that's a hard thing to do, uh, just because of uh, my business the way it is. I know, I, I know that it's very hard, especially in this economy, but um, I just want to plant the seed that if it turns out that you're ill and, and you're, you know, damaged somewhere, that you want to put your strength and attention and energy towards sure. healing. Yeah, that, uh, I, I think it's probably like everybody else. When I'm forced to do it, then I probably will have to do it, so... Okay. Well, right. We'll just plant the seed. We won't get into a major struggle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that that was helpful, though. I'll have to uh, I'll listen to the show again uh, and and write down some notes and whatnot. So, great. Great. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for your question. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye. All right. For those uh, who are on the switchboard, um, if you have questions, just press num- press one. I'm not sure if you want to ask questions if you're just listening. So press one if you have a question for Julia. Um, so Julia, what? And do you prefer Julia or Miss yes. Ross or what? Okay, great. Um, so we kind of jumped around a little bit talking about the different mood imbalances. What are the four most common mood imbalances, and how do you address those um, with nutrition or um, you know amino acids? Well, we've already covered uh, the uh, endorphin. Uh, part of this uh, quartet of uh, super potent neurotransmitters produced uh, in the brain and uh, intended to optimize our moods and normalize our appetites for food. Um, So since we've talked about the endorphins, and I I mentioned the most common uh, deficiency, which is serotonin deficiency, there are more Americans, particularly female Americans, who are deficient in the neurotransmitter serotonin, our natural antidepressant, um, than any other of the neurotransmitters. And part of the reason women have such trouble is that we're we're born uh, and genetically programmed to make less serotonin than men. And that's true of endorphin, too. Um, so it's very hard for us to, uh, to stay level, and, and it's really the reason that women are twice as likely to become depressed as men. Um, and the other reason is that women tend to diet, so they're starving themselves, and serotonin is one of the first uh, body chemicals to be lost to, to low-calorie dieting because it's very hard to get enough of it uh, in our diet, even if we're eating really well. Um, so what do we do if we've got the symptoms of serotonin deficiency, which are not only this sort of anxious depression, panic, uh, fears, shyness, worry, um, irritability, insomnia. Um, it's a long list. I refer you to the website and uh, moodcure.com and also the book, Mood Cure. Um, what, if, what, if, what if you look at that list and you have a lot of those low serotonin symptoms? Well, fortunately, it's very easy to restore levels of serotonin uh, by using the specific amino acids, these little protein, uh, proteins that um, the brain uses to make more serotonin. Um, so supplements are the key, and they work again. Five, ten minutes, you can typically feel those negative symptoms dissolving. And uh, after taking them for a number of months, um, the brain is restored to normal levels, and uh, you don't have to take them anymore as long as you're eating well. So uh, 
not only can we change the station very quickly in terms of serotonin production, but we can restore it to optimal function um, by normalizing our, you know, optimizing our, our, our diets as well as taking the supplements uh, temporarily. Um, and that means plenty of protein uh, three times a day in addition to, you know, high-quality vegetables, fruits, whatever other foods um, people need depending on their metabolism and exercise level. Um, I'm not against carbohydrates. I'm just against refined carbohydrates, uh, white flours, any form of sweetener. Um, So there you go. Uh, We've just uh, repaired uh, a huge problem for for Americans in terms of, of mood and appetite. When we're low in serotonin, we crave sweets and starches, especially in the afternoon and evening when serotonin levels naturally drop. Um, And then we have our natural stimulants, um, which are made from a different amino acid called tyrosine. All of these things, um, whether it's tryptophan or 5-HTP for serotonin or tyrosine, to raise our natural stimulant levels, uh, the levels of of dopamine and norepinephrine. Um, They're all available at any health food store, very easy to find. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, people with low energy often uh, respond to tyrosine again in minutes. We've we've rescued uh, thousands of coffee addicts, for example, uh, from the uh, downside of caffeine by giving them Tyrosine, which creates natural caffeine production in the brain, which has no adverse side effects. Um, and then the last uh, of the quartet, um, this critical quartet of neurochemicals, is um, is called GABA. It's our natural tranquilizer. And uh, fortunately for us, um, if we need tranquility, if we're overstressed and overwhelmed and tense, um, we can buy GABA in, in any health food store um, and even at very low low potencies um, feel the relief uh, very quickly. I, I, again, you know, five minutes, ten minutes. Um, and that's a lifesaver for people like our caller who are under stress every day um, because it keeps the... Um, the adrenaline levels, the stress hormone levels from taking over and, uh, you know, starting to destroy some brain centers, which they're likely to do. If you've noticed your your memory is uh, sinking, it's very likely because of, of uh, out-of-control stress chemistry. GABA can bring a lot of that under control. So a lot of people who come to our clinic and a lot of our readers are deficient in all four of these vital uh, brain nutrients and uh, start taking them uh, one after another, you know, introducing them one at a time, seeing how they affect them, which is, again, the first day you can tell, getting the dose regulated and then going on to the next until they get the whole brain humming. Um, improve the diet because at that point you have no cravings for junk food. Your brain is is strongly signaling for you to have vegetables and protein and to ignore the sweets and starches. Um, and uh, and after a few months, you can get off of the amino acid supplements and just with your strong protein base, uh, keep fueling that brain and maintaining your 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 new mood and and overall health status.
Awesome. We're talking to Julia Ross on Dr. Low Radio, 818-495-6919, if you have a question. Um, in your book, you talk about the importance of protein in your diet, specifically animal proteins. Um, do you think it's possible to have a truly balanced mood on a vegan or vegetarian diet? Well, we haven't seen a vegan who's in trouble uh, be able to do it, and they have almost always uh, in our clinic um, used the amino acids to help build up their brain chemistry, but then realized that they'll never be off of them um, if they don't provide more uh, volume in, in terms of the protein in their diets. So they will typically start having eggs, they'll start having fish, and notice that they feel ever so much better immediately. And and then, you know, go through the struggle, the ethical struggle of, you know, facing the fact that, you know, we're, we're beasts. <laughs> and... Um, uh, you know, and and we're going to become ill beasts. You know, if we don't eat um, high potency proteins, and really the concentrated proteins only come from animal sources. Now, um, there there are some people who who do pretty well if they can tolerate dairy products and eggs. Um, they have dairy products, eggs, and beans if they're vegetarian but not vegan, and uh, those people tend to do better. But again. Uh, quite often, uh, they will add some fish, and uh, and notice a difference. Um, many of them tell me that the females tell me that they dream about hamburgers before their periods, and and I explain to them that red meat is the best source of iron and zinc. To to uh, minerals that are critical, especially for women uh, who are bleeding um, on a monthly basis. Um, and uh, so, you know, I encourage them to include some red meat if they can bring themselves to do it. And again, almost universally, they're they're very pleased at the effect on them. Um, so we do best with people who are, you know, willing to eat the the original diet of mankind. You know as you were talking about earlier, the paleo diet. Yeah, I remember when I was a, a vegetarian myself and I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and started adding in um, fish and I felt a whole lot better and I took grains out of my diet. Well, not all grains, but, you know, most grains and gluten and I just feel like a whole different person. It's just amazing. I just took that inflammation out of my diet, added in those fats and that, that protein and I felt completely different with my uh, mental well-being. So, you well, I think that's eat. an extremely good point, you know, that you can fine-tune what you put into your diet, but as long as you aren't taking out the critical foods, you know, then your your benefits are going to be limited. Um, and that's why the aminos are so important, so that they make it easy for people to take out the sugar, the, 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 the gluten, you know, the excessive starches, um, and or dairy products or chocolate, whatever it is. Um, which then allows them to experiment with their diet and find what what the right foods are for them. Right, I love that. Yeah, and I and I know you know like with the gluten thing. If I if I'm eating gluten, I'm I know I'm going to be weepy. Like I just get very emotional. <laughs> I can just cry. I can cry watching a commercial, and I'm like, why oh. am I like this? Oh, I had gluten yesterday. It's just it's amazing, and it's you know it's not always like gut symptoms. It's just like mood stuff. It's it's really really interesting. It took me a while to really make that connection. 
Um, well, being so weepy I, is is the classic is a classic symptom of low endorphin. So uh, it's a great signal that you need to shore up your endorphins in order to let go of these foods and and not suffer emotionally without them. Yeah, good point. I'll have to read that section in the book again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's in the first chapter in the diet cure how the brain generates normal or abnormal appetite and what you can do to use these amino acids to turn those cravings off. Um, I, I know that you have a colleague who's a big chocolate holic, um, and I gave him the same advice, and, and uh, I'm curious to know how how it worked for him. So you'll both have to let me know. Yeah, definitely. Um I'd love to touch on cholesterol for a bit. There's, you know, research showing that people on statins whose cholesterol drops below 140 have a greater risk of depression and there's other, you know, studies that look at low cholesterol and greater risk of suicide and people are so concerned like how low is my cholesterol? I need to get my cholesterol lower. How important is cholesterol for mental health? What's your your stance on cholesterol? Oh, well, it's critical for men- mental health and it, it a lot of it has to do with our stress coping hormones that are made out of cholesterol and our sex um, hormones that are made out of cholesterol um, and many more. But those, just those two alone make it um, fabulously uh, important um, as a substrate, you know, food for, for so many systems in the body. Um, and uh, the truth is that, that health problems... Um, correlate to cholesterol levels above 165, uh, 265. Um, what am I saying? Yeah. Um, at uh, and below 170, we we also see all kinds of health problems. Um, whenever we tamper with our ability to make hormones, we can be guaranteed uh, health problems. So we don't want our levels to go too low. Um, and people who have levels that are too high can look can see some problems too, but they tend to have genetic difficulties. It's not typically diet related um, unless they're really eating a lot of toxic carbs uh, and alcohol. And that and that typically, you know, when we can turn those cravings off and their diet normalizes, their cholesterol stays in that in that normal range. But a lot of people are just resorting to statins, and then the doctors typically don't keep testing them. You know, once their levels are are down, you know, below 170, which is the danger zone, they yeah. stop testing them, and who knows how low they get. But we see people routinely, and and all people with autism have have low cholesterol, for example. And in fact, there's a cholesterol supplement now. Um, it's called Sonic Care. Um, for for it was designed for for people with autism. And it really improves the way they feel. Wow, that's amazing! I didn't know that. Interesting, huh? Yeah, and I, I, I just encourage patients don't don't get so scared about foods, you know, with cholesterol in them because, like for example, having an egg, you don't want to just have the egg white. You want to have that yolk because it has important amino acids that are in the yolk that aren't in the white. And people oh, just and it also focus has on oh, lecithin. I need to lose weight. With that? Which helps to, to it has it contains lecithin, a very rare source of lecithin, which which helps us to emulsify fat, to digest fat properly, um, and all kinds of vitamins. Uh, the yolk is just really rich in all kinds of things. You definitely don't want to leave the yolk out, and, and I think they're equal um, numbers of um, 
in terms of the protein in the yolk and the and the white, but but you're right, the yolk has different amino acids than than the white, and so we want to be holistic here. We want the whole egg, uh, and even the American Heart Association has taken eggs off the danger list. Finally, so, good job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to 2011. Um, I want to take a couple Facebook questions. Uh, this one is from Sean. He'd like to know: ask if depression is a hormonal imbalance. And if balancing hormones can eliminate depression, um, it, that's the the last thing we look at. Um, so, um, in the mood cure, for example, there's a sex hormone toolkit uh, to help people evaluate whether sex hormones are playing a part in their depression. But um, other than having the sex hormones that make you female, um, it's it's not the main agenda. Um, the main problem with depression uh, resides in the brain. So all of our natural antidepressants reside in the brain. If our estrogen levels drop too low, estrogen is important in the brain, and um, it it encourages uh, the production of serotonin and and other neurotransmitters. But um, the main agenda is to raise the levels, to give the brain uh, the nutrients that are needed to make these neurotransmitters that are naturally antidepressant. Okay, and that's why the mood cure is all about the brain. Um, it, exactly, it has, it, it has sections on other. It has sections at the back on other things, but the main agenda is repairing the brain, and it's very, very doable. If if your problem ends up being a sex hormone imbalance, you won't have wasted much time if you start with the brain, because you're going to figure out what aminos you need. Go to the store, get them, take them. Ten minutes later, you'll know whether they're going to work, um, and. Uh, if they don't work, you can go ahead and measure your sex hormones and see if that's the problem. But um, most people don't need to. All right. Um, I'm curious. There, You know, I have an interesting audience because, you know, I have doctors who listen as well as just general public. So I have a question that's really geared more towards the doctor listeners. And I'm curious about assessing neurotransmitters. There's a lot of debate in the medical community about this, and some test by questionnaires, and others test the urine. I'm, I'm just thoughts. I'm curious about your oh, thoughts. Oh, thank on you for for asking. Um, yeah. The uh, there's there are three methods of testing um, neurotransmitters. Um, it isn't done much. The the um, the most accurate uh, method is cerebrospinal fluid. So that was done for research when they were developing the current antidepressants, but they paid people to do, take spinal taps, you know. Yeah, that's um, not a so good way to is, do it. <laughs> it's the gold standard. It tells you exactly how much of each neurotransmitter is in the brain and spinal fluid. But anyway, so that's out. So then there are a couple of blood tests. Um, the most accurate one, which corresponds to the accuracy of cerebrospinal fluid, is uh, blood platelet testing, but... That's mostly only available in uh, university research facilities. Um, So that gets us to the third most accurate form, which is blood plasma testing, which you can get in almost any lab. And it will give you a rough idea um, of your serotonin levels, your norepinephrine, your dopamine. Um, But uh, it's not very accurate for endorphin or GABA because um, people get so stressed just approaching a blood draw that these stress-related neurotransmitters uh, are often quite high when they're tested, you know, um, whereas in a non-stress situation you'd see what what the levels actually were. 
Um, however, you know, it's great to know that you can get uh, easily get um, at least a rough idea from blood plasma of what your some of your neurotransmitters are. The most popular uh, way of testing right now, and by far the least accurate and the most unreliable, is um, urine testing. Um, Unfortunately, there's no research showing it to be effective and uh, a number of studies showing it to be ineffective. And what we've seen, because there are several labs in the country that are doing it, is that sometimes it's accurate, and when people are treated according to the accurate test results, they get better. But quite often, the results are inaccurate, so they're treated for a deficiency they don't have, and a lot of significant problems can result. Um, uh, We just had someone uh, in today who had had the urine testing done, and it showed that she had an overabundance of GABA natural tranquilizer. This is a woman who's uh, ravaged by stress, unable to sleep, and when she takes GABA, she feels much better. So just as an example of um, how misleading this urine testing can be, um, the practitioners you know, are, are really being sold a bill of goods by the labs because it's such an easy test to do. It's urine, you know, it's not complicated, and... Um, it would be great if it were accurate, but uh, unfortunately, it's not. Yeah, I don't do urine testing for um, urine transmitters with patients. It just doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier to get into the urine. It doesn't make sense how that would pan out, you know? Yeah, it's an excretory product. You know, you you wouldn't – it's just hard to know what to make of it. And uh, Right. So uh, I, I encourage people not to spend the money to get that testing, but – to encourage their practitioners to work with the techniques in the mood cure, which are based on symptoms, well-established symptoms, symptoms that are that were of deficiency in neurotransmitters that were established using the really accurate methods like cerebrospinal fluid and blood platelet testing. Um, so there, it's a very reliable um, way of gauging and, and much simpler and cheaper um, than doing urine testing. Mm-hmm. Take another Facebook question here. This is from Anonymous. Um, I'm a 17-year-old female. I recently started taking Prozac a couple of weeks ago, and so far I feel pretty good. My doctor didn't talk to me about anything naturally that I can do. I'm wondering if it's too late to go back and what I can do naturally. Oh, well, there's a whole chapter in the Mood Cure on alternatives to antidepressants. Perfect. And uh, it starts to, t- you know, by talking about side effects, you know, why would you want it? uh, an alternative, and then it goes into what shall you do uh, if you want to transition off of an antidepressant comfortably onto the, you know, very reliable uh, natural alternatives, Um, and it's very easy progression. You know, basically, you take the Prozac in the morning, and you try with your, you know, physician's uh, cooperation. you try some uh, 5-HTP or uh, tryptophan. In 5-HTP is another form of tryptophan. It's 5-hydroxytryptophan um, in the afternoon and see how it feels. Uh, so you're taking it, you know, at least five or six hours away from your Prozac, and and if it if you feel better on the natural thing, uh, the, whatever form of tryptophan you're trying, than you do on the Prozac by itself. Uh, then you talk to your doctor about can I 
take more of this and taper down off the Prozac. And usually it's painless, especially with Prozac, which has a tendency to um, be detoxed very gradually from the body as opposed to some of the other antidepressants, like particularly Paxil, which is detoxed immediately and and tends to throw people into an immediate uh, tailspin of withdrawal symptoms. Uh, But when you're taking the amino acids at the same time, uh, you pretty much short circuit the uh, any nasty withdrawal effects, and as I say, the um, uh, guidelines for that are in the uh, chapter on alternatives to antidepressants in the Mood Cure. And there's a whole perfect. section on MoodCure.com on the topic too. Perfect, perfect, great. That's a great resource. Thank you. Um, I know we're running on time. I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, Two fun questions. What's your favorite neurotransmitter? <laughs> Let's see. My personal favorite is tryptophan. Um, and I don't take it often, but, um, well, for obvious reasons, you know, I'm pretty well stocked up on amino acids and protein and so forth. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll wake up in the night and start thinking negative thoughts like remembering some argument that I had a few years earlier with someone or mm-hmm. and then I realized somewhere in this you know I don't really need to be thinking about this this is not something you know about what's going to happen tomorrow that maybe I should be thinking about or you know so now I know that any kind of negative thinking that uh, like that that seems you know sort of unnecessary obsessive um can be turned off uh in a wink by uh, taking one or two tryptophan. And so I just do that and I'm back to sleep in 10 minutes and, you know, all that thinking has just uh, evaporated. Beautiful thing. i got to do that as well. Um, Also, what did you eat today? I started my day with a a smoothie um, of uh, uh, coconut milk, uh, blueberries and banana with um, a mixed protein powder. Um, it doesn't taste so wonderful, but um, you can't. Uh, my favorite protein powder is pea protein. And, just, uh, just discovered that. I love it. Absolutely it's fantastic, it. but mm-hmm. it's so popular now that the, the, the producer that makes it without sugar um, that I like so much that dissolves so readily by Source Naturals, they're not going to have any for six weeks because their their supplier is out. Um so this is a, a mix of pea and brown rice and um spirulina and I don't know. Uh at any rate, um it doesn't taste nearly as good, but it, it provides um twelve grams of protein per tablespoon and so I threw a couple tablespoons of that in there and um I had a, a you know a really nice tasting and and satisfying and uh, meal that that also lasts me you know so that I'm I do fine without a snack until lunch um and today for lunch I had um beef fajita tacos um uh, one corn tortilla each and the bean I mean the uh, beef fajita you know with bell peppers and onions and, and beef strips and then um Lettuce and tomato and uh, and uh, sliced avocado on the top, and um, it was 
very yummy and satisfying. That sounds delicious. That is some good mood <laughs> food right there. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. What would be a typical day that would make someone not feel so good? Like, I guess it's kind of the typical American diet, but, you know, what you just outlined is clearly good mood food. What's What are some bad mood foods, just to see that? Well, the most common bad food, mood food that, that uh, you know, Americans struggle with is caffeine. So they start the day with caffeine. That eradicates their appetite for real food, and so they don't eat. Right. Or they might have something sweet to go with it, you know, with no nutritional value, actually negative nutritional value. And um, so they're off to a horrendous start. Um, and uh, since, you know, so many people are using Starbucks, you know, heavily sweetened, you know, they get this big spike of blood sugar and uh, uh, norepinephrine, adrenaline, and so forth, and then they get a crash later on. And so later on... Uh, they're at work and there's nothing to eat but what's at the candy machine, so they go back for another hit of sweets and another cup of coffee. So that's probably the worst start to the day is no real food. And so what I say is, you know, while you're getting organized to get off of caffeine uh, by using the tyrosine, um, just make a commitment that you won't have any coffee until after you've had breakfast. Mm. And that way, at least you get a real meal in, even if you have the coffee afterwards. And certainly, you're going to cut into that uh, spike and crash routine all, all morning if you do that. Mm-hmm. And right. then, um, you know, a lot of people um, don't have either protein or vegetables in a typical day. You know, it's really just starch and sugar mm-hmm. uh, in one form or another. Uh, or, or else, you know, maybe they'll break down and have uh, a pizza, um, <laughs> which, you know, has minimal, minimal protein in the cheese and, you know, whatever little um, bits of, of sausage or whatever may be on it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, they start with no food and then they get more, you know, absence of nutrients, but a plethora of carbohydrate, which then... The body has nothing that can't do anything with carbohydrate except either burn it or store it. So unless they're major athletes doing hours of cardio, they are not going to burn that off. And it's going to store as fat and circulate in the bloodstream as dangerous triglycerides um, and make them feel crummy. Um, doesn't give them anything to go on. So then at night they feel worse than ever and uh, they're going to look for more comfort food, uh, maybe some alcohol. Um, they also don't have any energy for preparing food um, after a day like that. And so they're even more apt to, you know, we get a lot of people who at night, they just have chips and salsa and, uh, you know, soda, diet soda usually or whatever, mm-hmm. because they can't get up and walk into the kitchen and make it, uh, anything else. Um, it's... We're really, you know, we're in sad shape, and it's nobody's fault is that we have been sold on the safety of very dangerous foods, misled, dangerously misled by um, the manufacturers, and um, these foods are highly addictive. So we think they're safe, we play around with them, they're fun, and then we find we can't stop, and, uh, and we're trapped. Right, but uh, and that's why I think my books are so important. Is that they're the key out of the trap. You can turn off that appetite chemistry, those cravings for junk foods, um, quickly. 
mm-hmm. and get onto the foods that you know are not going to cause weight gain, you know are going to make you feel better, um, and not have to just rely on a diet every once in a while where you eat real food. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's breaking that vicious cycle and uh, doing it to where it's not painful to do it. That's what I love about your book is you help to make this a, a more comfortable process. I sure do. I mean, that's the, and it's a lot of people say, "Oh, that's too good to be true." You know, if this were really true, why wouldn't everybody know about it? Well, right. unfortunately, new things, especially new things that are too good to be true, <laughs> people tend to be very skeptical about, and it takes a lot of time to be adopted, and there's no commercial interest in this. I mean, the the supplement producers would make money if everybody in America started taking amino acids, but but think of the financial losses for the refined food industry and the um, pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, people are affected by what they hear, and what they hear is, this food is great, um, and it's impossible to get off of it. Just live with your weight gain. Right. Live with your diabetes. Mm-hmm. Julia, do you have time for one more question from a caller? Sure. Perfect. Let me take this caller from the 508 who's been waiting here. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Great. What's your name? Where are you calling from? My name's Lisa. I'm calling from Massachusetts. Thanks for calling. What's your question for uh, for Julia? I was just wondering what your opinion is on raw animal proteins, such as raw milk or raw milk kefir and raw eggs. Well, uh, I have to say that I, I've almost never run into anybody who had any problem um, with unpasteurized um, raw dairy products, and they certainly are easier for a lot of people to digest. However, they do contain lactose, and they do contain casein, and a lot of people are just intolerant to these, um, either the, the milk sugar or the or that particular milk protein. So um, that's the only problem, you know, is people think, oh, I can eat raw and then I'll be fine. I wish that were true. And it is true for some people that they can't stand, they can't tolerate the pasteurized, but they can tolerate the raw. Um, I hope that answers your question. Let me know. How about raw eggs? Raw eggs? Um, Well... Again, you know, I'm. There are a lot of people who are getting salmonella from eggs, um, but I don't know any of them. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not an expert in in uh, the uh, dangers of of raw eggs, and I, I'm, I'm afraid I really am a proponent uh, of of people eating cooked eggs, um, and I, I don't recommend uh, that people eat them raw. Um, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, the only I time I eat raw eggs is, is if I'm getting it from a farmer I'm really familiar with, and I know that they're, you know, very, very clean. Um, but otherwise, I, I wouldn't go near it if it's just something from a grocery store. That's just my personal opinion. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your question. All right. See, I think I kind of went through all my questions here. I had so many for you. But well, we great. Well, I think we're out of time, so it's perfect. Yeah, I think we are out of time, so it's perfect timing. Um, is there anything you want to leave with our listeners? Um, well, I just want to remind them that they have the resources of the Diet Cure, which is about uh, breaking out of carbohydrate addiction and dieting, and the Mood Cure, which is about breaking out of, of um, depression, anxiety, 
insomnia and so forth um, naturally. Um, and there are websites for both of those books, dietcure.com and moodcure.com, um, so that they can pursue this information, you know, and not just let it drop because it really is life-saving. It absolutely is life-saving. I've, I've seen it work with many, many patients, so I can attest to that personally. Well, yeah, so thank you so much for your book. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, you're it. welcome. Thanks for yeah. having such a great show. I was very impressed with your lineup for the future. I'm uh, very interested in hearing about that bacterial overgrowth. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great topic. glad that you had the paleo diet person and the gluten person. And this is, know. This is great information you're getting out I'm there, so excited. So. When I first started the show, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get any guests. Every person I've asked has said, has said yes. It's amazing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very blessed to do the show and get this information out there because it's so much that people need to know about. So thanks oh, again. All the best with it. Thanks a lot. Okay. Have Bye-bye. a great night, Julia. Bye. Oh, that was an awesome show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, next week, Allison Seebecker will be on. We'll be talking about small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, also known as SIBO. Um, very, very commonly, um, well, I guess it's not very commonly diagnosed. It's underdiagnosed, but a very, very common condition. So tune in next week. Uh, then we will have T.S. Wiley on the show the week after that, and then Dr. DeLapp talking all about dermatology. Fabulous lineup. Uh, check me out again, drlaurennoel.com. Um, check out Julia's book, moodcure.com and dietcure.com. And um, thanks for the callers, Facebook questions, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Can you enjoy Thanksgiving dinner without the holiday hassles? Better believe it. The Pilgrim Sub is back at Get-Go Cafe and Market. Come and taste why it's our best-selling sub of all time. This holiday feast starts with our fresh-baked secret recipe stuffing bread. Then we load it with juicy roasted turkey, melted Wisconsin white cheddar, savory gravy, and if you like, house-made cranberry sauce. Don't wait for Turkey Day to chow down on this tasty tradition. The Pilgrim Sub is only here for a limited time. Get-Go Cafe and Market. Better believe it. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy. Today only, all hats, gloves, and scarves are 50% off. Plus, get 40% off your entire purchase today at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Hats, gloves, and scarves valid 1120. 40% valid 1115 to 1120. Exclusions apply. See store for details.